Hi there. I am so excited to invite you to attend our fourth annual free virtual special education and advocacy conference. We are hosting it here at Ashley Barlow Company in partnership with Rebecca Poe Teaching. And we are so excited for a few new things at this year's conference. The first new thing is that we have not just one, but two different tracks for attendance. For the first time ever, we have created a track that is specific for school staff and teachers. We also still have that traditional track that we intend to be really great for parents and caregivers in the IEP arena. So yes, we have a teacher track and a parent track. On that teacher track, you are going to learn about things like easier data collection, gestalt language processing, behavior reading, and other super hot topics in special education practice, as well as advocacy. On the teacher and caregiver track, you're going to learn about stress management for caregivers using adaptive books, something that I have really kind of um, dove into here at my own house, inclusion advocacy, advocacy strategies, and so, so much more. That free ticket will give you one pass, one access to one presentation per hour on the track that you choose, either that teacher track or the parent track. Of course, if you are not available on January 19th or January 20th when the conference is taking place, you can buy tickets to access the conference on demand. And those tickets, of course, are available at our website, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference slash 2024. Check out the website for more information about ticketing. This year, we also have something super exciting planned. We have decided to make this a two-day event. When I partnered with Rebecca Poe Teaching, I told her that I really feel like school districts, disability organizations, and other community organizations need to start providing trainings that are accessible to teachers, related service providers, administrators, parents and caregivers, and other community members that are interested in IEP support. What if we all attended the same training? What if we all learned information about special education practice, curriculum, how to read evaluations, that kind of stuff, about special education advocacy, how we can collaborate more, how we can work together, and even about special education laws. What if we all attended those presentations and we workshopped them together? So together with Rebecca Poteaching, I have created the Empowered Workshop Series, and we are excited to bring it to your organization or school in 2024 and beyond. If you are interested in having Rebecca and I bring a workshop to you, you can see a preview of the Empowered Workshops on January 19th, the Friday before our main conference programming. For more information about that, either send me a DM or check out the website, again, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference dash 2024. We hope to see you January 19th and or January 20th and can't wait to connect with you. Hi everyone, welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company Podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, 
A teacher or someone who works at a school, or you're a community member, a volunteer or a staff member at an organization that supports people with special education plans, a coach, a tutor, or even a grandparent, you're in the right place. Sit back with an ice cold glass of lemonade, put on your walking shoes and grab some headphones, roll down the windows and cruise. Ready, set, go. Educate, advocate, collaborate. Welcome back to another episode of Special Education Advocacy with Ashley Barlow. I'm Ashley Barlow and I'm so happy you're here. If you are watching on YouTube, you will notice that I am on the first floor of my house and I never record on the first floor of my house. And if you are listening, you will probably hear a little more background noise than normal. I'm gonna go ahead and explain um, our Coco, our ginormous, clumsy um, puppy of a black lab, had a little tumble yesterday. And um, so she will not really leave my side. And I don't like her in the basement because she gets into trouble down there. So we're going to record here in our busy, chaotic first floor. Um, and you're just going to feel welcome to be wild and crazy and loud like the Barlows. And that's the way it's going to be because that's where, what we're all about here at Ashley Barlow Company. You fit in. You are welcome um, no matter how chaotic and crazy <laughs> life may be. So if you hear panting and plopping and prancing around and um, chasing of bugs and whatnot, know that that's Coco and any other noise is probably Jack Barlow. So today we are going to talk about one of those things that like this, this thought kind of entered my mind on a run, but it's one of those things that like you're driving and all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, I never really thought about that. Or um, something, I get these thoughts in the shower. I think it's one of the only places that I'm unplugged. And so I, um, you know, sometimes in the shower I'm like, oh my gosh, like that is, it's either brilliant or it's like something I've never thought of. Or it's a way I haven't thought of something. One of those kind of like stream of conscious thoughts. So I was running not too long ago and I was thinking about a template that I could make for you. And when I was kind of contemplating this template, um, I thought, okay, so it was going to be a letter. I can't even remember what it was, but it was like dear and then blank, right? And I thought, okay, well, how would I explain who the audience should be? And as I'm like running through my little town, I had like six paragraphs to explain the second word of the template, the, the target audience of the template of this letter, whatever the letter was that I was going to make as a template for you. And I, and then that led to like, see, this is why nobody asks attorneys for like free legal advice, or this is why you shouldn't get those like legal zoom things. Um, and it like just kept spiraling and spiraling and spiraling. And I thought, you know what, there are a lot of things that I say in almost every single conversation with a client or every single at least like consult kind of conversation. Um, and so I thought, oh, this might be a kind of fun podcast episode. 
And then as I brainstormed for it, as I, um, you know, I always kind of take my podcasts and I, and I just bullet point things out. I don't like to plan them all that much, actually. But um, as I, you know, kind of wrote my little outline for today's episode, I thought, you know, this is really interesting because um, not too long ago, I had an Instagram Live with my friend Caitlin Smith, who is an ABC student and a special education teacher. And Caitlin said that, um, you know, she's kind of always wanted to be a, um, a special education advocate and she got this one client and then she took the ABC course and she said what the ABC course really did was it gave her confidence. She knew that she could do it. She knew that she was um, capable. Like, I think I'm putting words in her mouth, but to me, what I was hearing her say was almost like, she knew it. She knew the content. She knew the advocacy strategies. Um, I think that's like kind of natural to her. It just is to some people. And yet she didn't have the confidence to act as an advocate. And then she took the class and she was like, oh, I know this. This is what's being taught. I know this, right? And so I thought maybe giving you this kind of like behind the scenes glimpse into an attorney's mind or an attorney's practice, maybe that would give you the confidence that you need to jump on the advocacy train to become a special education advocate because heavens knows we need more special education advocates, particularly right now in this like weird pseudo post pandemic world that we are living in. So I thought, you know, maybe it'll give people more confidence to either advocate for their own children or to advocate for other children. Um, maybe it gives you kind of an interesting behind the scenes. Like I always wonder that kind of thing. Um, not too long ago, I did an episode that was about the number one reason that I turn away clients and that a lot of attorneys turn away clients. And the numbers for that episode are really, really big. And I've actually had a few people talk to me about that episode. Um, I've gotten a lot of DMs about it. Um, but I've had a few of my friends talk to me and say, you know, I was really intrigued by that because I am kind of intrigued by how um, different offices work and, and that kind of thing. So I thought maybe you would like the behind the scenes. And then the other reason that I thought that this might be helpful is because maybe it gives you a little bit of insight. You know, I think a lot of times um, we go into special education um, advocacy for our own children with a lot of emotion. And we know that we um, need help, right? We know that we're too emotional. We know we can't think clearly. We know that we aren't being reasonable. We know we're like founding our arguments and the principles, right? Like it just isn't right. And so that's why I feel this particular way. But then again, what we want when we hire an attorney or an advocate as parents, I mean, is we want like a clear cut yes or no answer. And what's so interesting about advocacy is, so oftentimes if we really try to get like a yes or a no, a binary answer, nobody's gonna be happy and we aren't gonna get anywhere. But rather if we can find some gray area or if we can find um, some way to think outside the box or something that is, as I like to say, yes-able, um, something that is tolerable, that is like not a slam dunk in either direction, but it's tolerable, maybe we can move forward with that one little grain of confidence or that one little grain of agreement or that one little smidge of progress towards a more inclusive environment or towards a whatever we're looking for, 
right? But what happens is attorneys and advocates can't give a concrete yes or no answer. And so we as parents go and, and like, we know we need help. And so I just, you know, I hired an advocate when Jack was um, going to kindergarten and we had our, um, as I recently called it, inclusion trauma. Um, and I know I just wanted her to say, do it this way. Do this. Here's, here's the plan. Do this. And instead, like she would ask a question and I felt like I was talking forever. And she would ask a question. I felt like I was talking forever. Well, that happens now on the flip side. When I sit in the attorney's seat, I ask questions and I need for my clients to talk, right? And so I thought maybe by giving you this episode, um, if you are a parent or a teacher and you've interacted with special education attorneys and advocates, maybe it would give you a little bit of insight into why we don't usually just say yes or no. <laughs> Why we um, oftentimes need a lot more information or we might suggest something that is out of the box. And before we kind of dive into the five things that attorneys and advocates say and probably almost every other and every meeting that they have, I will invite you to join us in the ABC course, Advocacy, business, and concepts in special education. The course has six units, and each unit has three lessons. So it's 18 lessons that are designed to help you either build or grow a business as a special education advocate. And it hits the training from all three aspects. So you get the advocacy and negotiation strategy that is so often left out of special education trainings. You actually get to know how to negotiate and how to advocate. Advocacy strategy, I'm a trained mediator. This is something that I love to study, I love to read about, and I've got it all in there for you. And then you get the business development and the business setup. I started my practice basically from the ground up. Yes, I entered a practice with my dad, um, but I also taught in college in order to build my practice. I prosecuted in order to build my practice. And my dad started practicing law in 1972. A lot had changed about business management since 1972. And so I really revamped a lot of our structures. Um, you know, maybe five or six years ago, I went completely paperless. And that is something that has really transformed the way that we operate in our office. In fact, I didn't plan to say this, but um, I think it was just last week, actually, one of the ABC students posted in our online community about how we store our documents. And I was able to just take a couple videos from our office and show that to the ABC community in our um, closed Facebook group. So the business setup is really important. And then the concepts in special education. The concepts in special education are things that I think a lot of people entering special education probably already feel somewhat comfortable with. But when you take the ABC course, what you get is you get these wonderful templates and you get these um, guides. So I might have checklists for you. I might have a workbook for you. I've got some tool that is going to help you to actually 
utilize your knowledge about that particular concept or topic in special education when consulting with clients and when advocating in the special education meeting, the IEP meeting or the MDR or whatever it is. So I invite you to join us over at ashleybarlowco.com to learn more information about the ABC course and to join the ABC community. All right, without further ado, we are going to talk about five things that attorneys and advocates say in almost every meeting. And I don't know if we really say them in every meeting, but you get the gist. So the first one is, it depends. And everybody knows that attorneys say this. This is like the joke, you know, ask an attorney a question and it can be like, is the grass green? And then an attorney's like, it depends. <laughs> well, and it does. It depends on what season it is. It depends on where you live. It depends on whether or not it's rained. It depends on all of those things. And the thing is, is we don't like to get locked into a position. That is the reason that we say it depends. Because what we are always trying to do is we are trying to lock people into positions. Now, why are we trying to lock people in? Here's the reason. We don't live with you. I don't go to school and watch a child get educated. I don't know what the child's behavior looks like. I don't know how the child reads. I don't know how the child is sitting in their desk or if the child is sitting at their desk. I don't know those things. And so I have to ask a lot of questions in order to get to a conclusion. I have to ask a lot of questions in order to figure out what happens. Think about a behavior case. You know, right now, um, you know, there are so many children that are getting um, caught, so to speak, with um, tobacco and marijuana products at school. And yes, I live in Kentucky and I advocate in Kentucky. I work in Kentucky, so maybe more because I think tobacco might still be our biggest cash crop here in the state of Kentucky. But you know, what happens with that is there's so many, it's, it's kind of criminal. Well, it is criminal, but it is um, pseudo criminal, even in the disciplinary hearings, because you think, well, how do you know it's tobacco? Or how do you know it's marijuana? And how do you know that it was actually on the child? And is there a difference between utilizing it and possessing it? And so you ask all these questions about what happened. Who found the child? What was the child doing? Where was the child? Was anybody else around? You ask all these questions because you haven't lived it. You haven't experienced it. And when my clients come into my office, sometimes I say, well, what I say at the beginning of every meeting is, what are your goals for this meeting? If it's a consult, you know, are, are we, do you want to plan for the future? Or do you want for me to kind of like evaluate whether or not I think you should file due process? What are your goals? And if you give me between two and four goals, we can probably do it in this hour and 15 minute consult. That's kind of what I do. And so oftentimes I say, what are your goals? And somebody launches into the story. That is better than when they say, well, is Orton Gillingham right for my child? The answer is, it depends. And the reason it depends is because I don't know what your child's profile is like. I don't know what your child has tried and hasn't tried. I don't know how your child is reading. I haven't seen your child's test scores. I haven't seen any of that stuff, so I can't answer. It depends on a zillion factors. And so the reason that we say it depends is because 
we don't want to get locked into a position of yes or no. We want for there to be flexibility to advocate. We want for there to be flexibility for the process to happen. And we also have to plug the facts and the circumstances, the interest and the values, the whole child, all of the child's scores and interest and progress and social skills, all that stuff. We've got to plug all of that into the framework, the objective legal framework or the objective um, uh, curriculum guide for the program, right? And so the reason that we say it depends is because we usually need more information and we also don't wanna get stuck. We don't wanna get stuck in a yes or a no because that might negatively impact the advocacy moving forward. Okay, so the second one is the one that really kind of made me think about this as I um, was on my run. So, like I said, I was running through town and I was going to make a template, some, you know, Friday freebie thing. I've been trying to come up with more Friday freebies and actually design them. I have a whole list of ideas, but I have to actually write them. And so one, you know, I was kind of thinking about one of them and, okay, dear so-and-so. And like I said, the so-and-so was the question. To whom should I address the letter? Now, if you are in the ABC um, course and you've taken the negotiation workshop, you know that one of my negotiation strategies, I'll give you just one, there's like 60 in the negotiation workshop, but um, just one of them. And I don't know if it's actually 60, so don't like get me on false <laughs> advertising or something. See, I don't wanna get stuck into a position. Um, so, one of them is go to the person in power, right? And so I could say, dear, and then I could write a paragraph on go to the person in power. But it might change. And I wanna give you something that's really comprehensive. I wanna do a good job. And so, you know, as I was kind of thinking about this, I'm thinking, well, you know, you might wanna include the principal, but then in bigger districts, that's not in the principal's hands. It's in like some assistant, um, you know, teach like building coach or something. And then in some smaller districts, that might be the superintendent or a, an assistant superintendent. And so I'm like thinking about all these, but if, and unless, and all of these things. And I thought, oh heck, I can't even write the template because I can't get to the second word, right? And so, we really can't give a direct answer to something because there are so many factors that impact the answer, right? And then the, the, the Ashley Barlow company spin is whenever I'm talking to a client, what I really need to know is the interest and values because I believe in interest-based negotiation. And so if I don't know the why behind what my client wants, if I don't know what their interests are, I don't know where to infuse the empathy. And I don't know whether or not we need to infuse a lot of empathy. So if I'm trying to come up with a template, maybe the purpose of the letter is really just to like empathy, 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 like to lay on the empathy. Let me tell you a lot about this child. I have an advocate covering a meeting for me this week and um, she asked me, you know, like what, what's kind of your approach to this? And I said, empathy, 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 because that's really what we need in this particular 
case is we need to layer on a lot of empathy because we need the school to understand the child. So if I'm writing a letter to somebody with where I need empathy, I'm going to write that letter to anybody that interacts with the child any day. Aides, teachers, any support staff, the cafeteria monitor, the janitor, the lady that gives the medicine at lunchtime, all of those people need to know the entire profile. They all need to kind of come to the water and understand the child. But then if I'm asking like a personnel question, that's easy. You go to the person that's in charge of personnel, who might be the principal or the building coach or the assistant superintendent or the superintendent, you just follow the ladder up. But that's not an IEP decision. So we wouldn't send that to the entire IEP. And so, or the entire team, right? And so we really have to kind of think about the purpose or the function. And the reason that this is so important is because part of the kind of secret sauce that advocates and attorneys put in is they try to streamline things. We try to kind of get to the heart of the matter because what happens is parents are so emotional and the school is so, um, it's a different kind of emotion. It's like kind of a proud emotion. Like this is my school. I went to college for this. I went to a training on it. I know it's good. I built this program. And so there's like two kind of competing, like overarching interests really often. And in order to get those interests kind of like the same, to get them to, to line up and to mesh, what we have to do is we have to get to the interest and we have to get to the emotions and we have to get there fairly quickly in a lot of cases. And so the secret to that is not saying what your client tried to say before they hired you because they'll try, they've already tried, it didn't work, we need to come in and we need to reframe it and say it differently. So dear so-and-so <laughs> led to that whole stream of consciousness. The other thing that we say is, and then what happened? And then what happened? No, 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 before that. Okay, after that. Okay, and then what happened? And the reason why, again, is because we have to know exactly what happened, exactly what's been tried, exactly what's been said, exactly what everybody's done, because we don't live with you. We get insane about details, about semantics. You know, attorneys will like fight to the death about an and or an or because there is such a dif difference between and and or. We get so deep into the details because we really have to understand what happened. We have to know where our liabilities are and we have to know where our strengths are. And we need to know the whole story. And so what happens is we're thinking critically as we're listening to the story. Like that doesn't line up. Something had to have happened in the middle. And so we have to go backwards and then we have to go forwards and then we have to go backwards. And when we take notes, our notes, sometimes like a client will really be on a roll. And so I'll have to go down a little bit different my note taking place. I do my notes in words. So I have to like 
enter, enter, enter. And then I like start typing notes, like why did they move? Or, um, you know, why did they try OG in third grade, but, but then went back to Linda Mood Bell um, after that? Because the client will be on a roll, but it's really important for me to understand the whys and the like series of events. Was that in fourth grade or was that in second grade? And so we have to understand exactly how it happened again, because we didn't live it. Sometimes this is very hard for clients. I have found that many, many people are kind of poor historians, but it's super important that we get that information, that we get um, the sequence right, that we get, um, you know, the, the, the actual facts right. And sometimes the facts don't really feel like facts. And so then the question that I have to ask is, is that, is that the way that they saw it too? Have they said, yes, we, you know, we acknowledge that Linda Mood Bell didn't work or whatever. Um, because sometimes you get into a meeting and your client has a fact and it's not a fact to the school at all. They see it entirely differently. And so you've missed that in the interview. And so it's really, really important that we really understand what happened or where you've been or what you've tried, all of those things. Which leads to the next thing, and it's why. <laughs> why, 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 why? Interest-based negotiation. We have to understand why certain actions were taken, why our clients want things, why things happened the way that they happened. And we have to kind of then suspect why district, the district people, the school people took certain actions or felt certain ways or even suspect how they felt. We have to look at all of the underlying emotions and all of the underlying interests, the, the why behind the actions that they took and the why behind their positions, their, their wants. And that's where the heart of the advocacy is. I'm sure you've heard me talk about interest-based negotiation before. That's why we're asking why, why, why? Why did you do this? Why did you think that? Why did you feel that? Why do you think they did it? Could you tell did they, did they look upset? Did they look frustrated? Did they look whatever? Why? We have to know the why. If we can get to the why, we can fix it. If we can get to the why, we can almost always fix it. Do you think they're trying to protect money? Do you think they're suggesting it because it's cheaper? Do you think they don't have a teacher that's trained? Do you think they're not super confident in that teacher? Those are the questions that we're asking. Why did they do it? Why, 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 why? And the last thing might apply to attorneys more than to advocates, simply because attorneys have codes of ethics that we have to um, abide by in order to keep our licenses. But the last thing that we say, and this is kind of like a group of things that we say, is I usually say I'm ethically prohibited from that. And sometimes I say the Kentucky Bar Association or the Ohio Bar, State Bar Association won't allow me to guarantee that the sun is going to come up tomorrow or that the grass is green. However, 
I can kind of give you a best guess or a sophisticated answer, but I'm not going to tell you I think you're going to win. I'm not going to tell you I think that you're not going to win. Um, I can maybe like think about a range or I can tell you what your um, strengths to your argument are and the weaknesses to your argument. Um, people oftentimes want to know how much something's going to cost. And because most of the work I do is hourly, um, I have to say, I can't guarantee that it'll be done in any amount of time, but you know, that kind of thing. And so this kind of ethical cloud that comes over um, what we do can really be tricky. It can really, really be tricky because sometimes clients just want an answer. Sometimes they just want to know, like, you know, I mean, asking about a fee, that totally makes sense. But advocates normally, and depending on how they bill, can't guarantee a fee because they can't say, well, I know I'm going to get this done in a three-hour meeting. Or I know that the school won't have a three-hour meeting and that you're only going to be charged one hour for the meeting because I know the meeting's going to be over in an hour. And so, so much of what we have to kind of not answer is because of our ethics code or because of our business practice, because of kind of the honor that we give to our professions. And it is kind of a dance that we have to do with our clients. But once we kind of establish that relationship, it's actually something that I have found is, um, something that can strengthen our relationships because I know that, you know, my clients respect how much I respect my profession and that can be something that can be very, very fruitful. So those are five things that attorneys and advocates oftentimes say in meetings with their clients. I hope that this might have given you some confidence to further your practice as a special education, um, either advocate or attorney, or that it's given you a behind the scenes look that you've really enjoyed, or that it's just given you some insight. I will see you next week, same time, same place. Have a great week.